We welcome you to Kale and Company Live for this Tuesday. Great to have you along with us at WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. And uh, leading off the show today, the head coach football at the University of New Hampshire, Rick Santos. Rick, good morning to you. Good morning, Ken. Thanks for having me again. Well, it is uh, always our pleasure to have you on. And the uh, Wildcats got back on the winning track Saturday in Durham. 24-14 victory on homecoming day at uh, Wildcats Stadium. And congratulations on the win. And uh, your thoughts on that victory, Coach Santos? Yeah, I appreciate it. I thought it was a, it was a great uh, great evening. Guys competed their butts off. Uh, you know, really did a good job of, emphasizing you know how hard we wanted to play all week and I thought that showed up on game day and anytime you can you can win during homecoming it makes it extra special with the alumni coming back and it's just great for the engagement and everybody that kind of believes in our program to, to put on a show like that so was uh was a lot of fun and just happy that we were able to get a W. Yeah, the atmosphere is so great uh, at homecoming almost uh, 14,000 people uh, in attendance and uh Seems like the uh, the Wildcats' uh, defense was uh, especially tough on Stony Brook in those third down situations on Saturday. They really were. I thought that was the best performance of the year. Uh, you know, we hit like nine out of our ten goals for the game, which was great. We held Stony Brook to two of twelve on third down and, and one of four on fourth down, so three of sixteen overall on critical downs, which is which is amazing. You know, we tackled well. Um, I thought we lived in their backfield all day. We had nine tackles for loss, five of them being sacked. So I thought they were relentless. They really made the, the opposing quarterback kind of feel their their presence with pressure all day, and, and ultimately that was the game plan. But uh, despite that dominance on fourth down, the, the Seawolves, as you knew they would, they, they hung tough. They got to within three points with five minutes to go, and then uh, your offense took over. Yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, they they scored first, we scored 17 unanswered to kind of grab the collective momentum and the energy in the game. And then, you know, offensively we hit a little bit of lull for like three, four drives. And um, our defense created a big turnover, and then we fumbled it right back. They used that. They go down, score, cut it to three. And, you know, that ultimately I think that's what we were most proud of as coaches. It, you know, we could have relinquished that. We could have completely... Um, you know, lost the game, lost the momentum right there. And we found a way, even though we weren't playing well in that fourth quarter offensively, to sustain a long drive, go there and cap it off with Brian Espinette, our senior captain, find a way to make a miraculous catch in the back of the end zone, which was awesome. The Wildcats now 4-0 and in the Colonial Athletic Association and a non-conference game coming up uh, this Saturday afternoon in Hanover against the Big Green of Dartmouth. So uh, what do you know about the Big Green, Coach? Well, they're extremely well coached. You know, Buddy Thieven, you know, an alum there, for, former all-conference All-American. He's done it at a high level at a bunch of different programs. So we know they're going to be tough. They're going to be disciplined. Um, they got a two-headed monster at quarterback. So we're, we're really defensively have two different game plans that we got to implement. So Nick Howard is their big bruising running quarterback. Uh, and then Dylan Caldwell, he's more of a spread guy that throws it all over. So trying to figure out how they're going to attack us early in the game. Um, you know, defensively, they're bend but don't break operations. They're going to play a lot of zone coverage. They, they, you know, they don't want the ball to be thrown over their head. So we have to be really efficient in the pass game. And to be honest, we got to establish a ground game and hopefully control the clock because that's kind of their motto too. They're going to huddle. They're going to they're going to take the air out of the ball going to be a game of attrition so we got to find a way to, to get up early and then try to control the, the momentum 
How much more difficult is it uh, to prepare for that two-headed monster when a, a team does you utilize uh, two quarterbacks? Yeah, I think it's just you got to be super efficient during the week in practice and then how we prepare. And like I said, I mean, it's probably two distinct game plans. So it's just the time management from our defensive staff. But, you know, I got all the faith in the world. Coach Garrett Gillick, our defensive coordinator, um, I really like, you know, what we did with early first and second down game planning yesterday after sitting down with him. So, you know, our guys are going to be ready to go. And, you know, to be honest, Dartmouth embarrassed us last year. So um, we kind of had this one circled as a revenge type game. So we're excited to get back up there. Is there a rivalry? I mean, I know you're not in the same conference, obviously, as Dartmouth, but uh, a rivalry because of the fact that uh, you're, you know, two, uh, you know, good, you know, traditional football teams in the same state. Is there a rivalry between the two? You know, I, I think there is. Um, I think there's a good, healthy rivalry. You know, we don't play every year, but you look at the overall record right now. If we're 19, 19 and two, so there's been a lot of parity. You know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they got us. 16, 17, 18 in a row, whatever it was. Um, and then the late 90s, 2000s, we, we went on a long run, and they beat us the last two. So I think there is some, there is a, a good kind of history to, to this rivalry, and we're looking forward to kind of rekindle it this, this year. Very good. Well, Coach Santos, always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for adjusting your schedule to be with us on a Tuesday, and best of luck on Saturday against Dartmouth. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. All right. Talk, talk on Monday. Thanks, Coach Santos. Rick Santos, head coach of football at the University of New Hampshire, and uh, they will be at Dartmouth for a 1.30 kickoff on uh, Saturday afternoon. Joining us in studio today is Ellen Groh, and uh, Ellen is the executive director of uh, Concord Coalition to End Homelessness. And uh, we welcome you to the show. Ellen, great to have you with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And uh, first of all, congratulations on being named the 2022 Citizen of the Year by the Concord Chamber of Commerce. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very, very honored by that. Uh, I don't. I think this is the first Citizen of the Year we've had on the show. So right. th- there you go. <laughs> but uh, it, it's uh, certainly uh, richly deserved. And uh, I know you're going to be honored uh, November 2nd at the Raponi Conference Center in Concord. And all are welcome to attend, and we'll give you more details on that uh, later. So do you have your uh, acceptance speech all ready to go? No, but I, I know that um, I want to thank all of the hundreds of people who have made it possible for our organization to make so much progress. Because really, I was just the tip of the tip of the arrow, tip of the iceberg, whatever metaphor you want to use. There were so many hundreds of people that have made all the work possible. Well, you're very modest, but also very deserving uh, as well. Uh, first of all, the, the basic question, what is uh, Concord Coalition to End Homelessness? Uh, well, we are a nonprofit organization. I guess our name might be a little bit misleading. We're not actually a coalition with members uh, in the typical sense of it, but we do try to build coalitions among all the different agencies who are working to end homelessness. So we uh, we do a few things as an agency. We um, we run uh, we try to meet people's immediate needs who are struggling with homelessness, but we're really trying to end homelessness, and we do believe that's possible. So as far as what we do, we run a daytime resource center where people who are homeless can come and 
meet with the case manager, try to figure out their next steps. They can meet their basic needs like do their laundry, take a shower, get a cup of coffee. But really, it's that case manager that's trying to help them figure out their next steps that's really important about the resource center. And then we run the winter shelter. Um, during the winter nights, it's a place to make sure people are safe and then they're not going to freeze to guess to death, basically. Um, we have an outreach program that we just started um, just about a year ago, I think, where we can go out into the woods, down the railroad tracks, and meet people who might be hesitant to come in for whatever mm. reason. And then we have a lot of permanent housing programs, and that's what we are most excited about because that really is the way to end homelessness is with permanent housing. Well, we'll talk about uh, all of those things in more detail coming up uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, how long have you been with the uh, Concord Coalition? I have been there uh, closing in on nine years now. Wow. I started in February of 2014. Wow. And uh, I, I know that you uh, accomplished a lot uh, early on and uh, continue to do so. And it's a, a wonderful organization. And uh, before we have to take a break, I know you had a big uh, fundraiser at the Bank of New Hampshire stage in Concord uh, back on October 1st. I remember that date because it's uh, my daughter <laughs> and her husband's anniversary, uh -huh. and I, I couldn't go because of that. But uh, nonetheless, it was, a, it was a great night, and I hope you raised a lot of money. It was, and we did. It was, it was really a fabulous night with the talent show in the beginning, and then we had our after party with two uh, wonderful bands, the Rockin' Daddios and the Blues Brothers, Next Generation. It was really a, it was a ton of fun. Well, that, that is good. We had the Rockin' Daddios on here just uh, prior to... To the event, and uh, uh, they are terrific. They, yeah. they really and truly are. Ellen Groh is with us. Ellen is the executive director of the Concord Coalition to End Homelessness, and uh, we'll have a lot more with Ellen coming up right here on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. We'll be back after these words. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live here on a Tuesday. Great to have you along with us. Ellen Grow is our guest today, Executive Director of Concord Coalition to End Homelessness and the reigning 2022 Citizen <laughs> of the Year, as uh, selected by the uh, Concord Chamber of Commerce. And the uh, big celebration will come November 2nd at the uh, Grapponi Conference Center in Concord. And uh, Ellen told us before the break that she's been with the coalition for about uh, eight years. And I know. Uh, in your first year as executive director, Ellen, you uh, led the organization uh, to implement the city of Concord's new plan to end homelessness. So uh, tell us more about that effort. Yes. So I was uh, hired just just after or just before that plan was adopted by the city council. So mm -hmm. I, w I wasn't involved at all in the creation of the plan, but some of the people on the board of directors of Concord Coalition to End Homelessness were involved in that. There was a huge, uh, a wide, wide-ranging group of people called together by the mayor, which was a great effort on his part to create that plan. So as it was, uh, as it was adopted, it didn't really have a 
I guess I think we really just sort of stood up and said, hey, we will help make sure this doesn't sit on the shelf. Mm -hmm. We weren't actually named to do that. We just said we think this is our role. So we worked with um, with the mayor to pull together the people who would lead that first steering committee. The plan calls for a steering committee to advise and implement the plan. So I would say it's been a I think that was a turning point. Just having that plan in place brought attention to the issue and brought attention to the fact that just having a shelter is it might help people in the short term. It certainly does, and it's a crucial part of the safety net, but it doesn't end homelessness, and you need to bring other things into place to actually end homelessness. What was the path that uh, led you to the Concord Coalition? Oh, um, I've worked in I've, I, actually, this was my first time really addressing the issue of homelessness, was taking this job. I had worked in poverty issues most of my adult career life. I was a legal services attorney down in North Carolina, and I also worked in affordable housing development down in North Carolina. And I met my husband. I moved up here, had children immediately, so I, I was a stay-at-home mom for several years. And this was just uh, as I was re-entering the workforce. The job came up, and I said, that sounds interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that was that. Very nice. And uh, I have to ask, how, how were your efforts uh, at, at the coalition impacted by COVID? Um, COVID was tough. I was thinking back to how horrible those first months were when nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew how deadly it was. Uh, how do we keep serving people but not make people sicker by bringing them together into one place? So it was it was a it was a challenging time, I will say. And and I. To, I, um, all of my colleagues across the state, we were all in communication with each other on a weekly basis. How are you doing this? How are you doing that? Yeah. Um, I can remember. Uh, it was a stressful time. No, I'm sure it was uh, for you and uh, your organization and uh, virtually uh, everyone uh, was yeah. touched in, in some way or another by COVID, whether they got it or not. They were impacted by it in, in, uh, in many, many different ways. Uh, you, you mentioned in the first uh, segment of our program today the, the Resource Center at 238 North Main Street uh, in Concord. And uh, I, I was looking online at uh, ConcordHomeless.org, your, your website. And, boy, you really offer a lot of uh, terrific services at that uh, Resource Center. We do. We do. And th these are things that people, a lot of people who have a home, just take for granted. A place to shave, a place mm -hmm. to take a shower. A uh, place to get dry socks. It's um, there a lot of just basic necessities people can take care of there. Yeah, it is really something. And uh, so, how how do you get the uh, word out, or is it word of mouth? I, I mean, how do the the people who are uh, unfortunately homeless uh, find out about the resources that they do have? I th I think at this point we are pretty well known. We don't do a lot of advertising. Um, like I said before, we um, we do have an outreach uh, worker at this point, an outreach program. So we do go out. I, I think most people do know of us and they learn of us from other people who are mm -hmm. experiencing homelessness. And I'll say too, our, our niche in this whole field is mostly um, adults who have been homeless for more than a year. So long-term homeless adults. Mm -hmm. um, there are some people who are just have hit a little crisis in their life, a bump, if you will, and uh, use our services to get back on their feet. But generally, it's people who have been homeless and have kind of um, 
have adapted to a new way of life, living out in encampments or living in their cars or living in a shelter. Yeah. And have you seen it in in the uh, nearly eight years you've been there? uh, Have you seen homelessness uh, on the increase in Concord? Well, that's a that's a hard thing to yeah, pin I'm sure down. It is, it yeah. is but yeah. but we are really that's one of our focuses right now. Besides just this, uh, our push to create more permanent housing solutions for people who are homeless is to really pin down the number of people who are homeless in Concord, particularly the number of people who are long term mm. homeless in Concord. You would think that shouldn't be so hard, but it is oh, challenging. Sure it is. Some, yeah. some people uh, don't want to interact. They don't want to give their information. And it is a transient population. And there's lots of different agencies all that might be interacting with someone who's homeless. Uh, the hospital, the jail, um, the police, um, the emergency room, all, all of that. And we don't all share information that efficiently or effectively. So that's a big, big push for us right now is to try to bring all these agencies together and working with yeah. the state um, to, to have an accurate list of the people who are long-term homeless in Concord. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's a next to impossible task to... Well, uh, it's, yeah. it's been done. It's yeah, been done yeah. in other areas. And, and I will say in areas that have actually ended homelessness, there's five mm-hmm. communities across the United States that have ended chronic homelessness. And we want to put Concord on that list. There you go. And they all started with, um, with what they call a by-name list, a dynamic mm-hmm. list that all the agencies are working on together to say, okay, you know, who's next? How are we going to get... Help Jason find his way to a yeah. housing solution. Yeah, and that—that uh, that is the goal to right. end homelessness. Right. And uh, you know, hopefully, one day that can be achieved in the not too distant future. Yeah. And you mentioned the outreach that you have. Uh, your staff has expanded uh, throughout the years, uh, as well as your budget. I'm, I'm yes. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it has. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. When I started, I think the year I was hired. Our entire budget was $70,000. We had uh, me as part-time and one other part-time staff person, a case manager, and, um, and that was it. Uh, we were rent-free in, one, in a little space that was so graciously donated to us by South Congregational Church. They let us use a, you know, an office that they had, a room, an area, I will say, two mm-hmm. rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, so our expenses were low and our budget was low. Yeah. So uh, how are you funded? I know you have various fundraisers throughout the year. We, uh, we I think we tap into every source of funding that there is. Um, we, we get a lot of private donations from very generous people. So that's an enormous part of our funding stream. We uh, have several different grants with federal government grants, state county, city. We have grants from all of those agencies. Uh, Private foundations like New Hampshire Charitable Foundation and Granite United Way and Lincoln Financial Financial Foundation, the Dobliss Foundation, uh, Merrimack County Savings Bank is a huge supporter of us uh, and, and all our fundraising events. So we tap into every possible source. Yeah, and uh, you had the, the gala recently on uh, on October 1st uh, in, in downtown Concord. What, what are some of the other fundraisers you have? Well, we had, uh, let's see, we have Superfest Fe- Super yeah. is our big signature mm-hmm. event. And again, that was a volunteer a long time ago, uh, probably six years ago or seven years ago, took our little soup fest, which was just basically board members and community members making soup, and we made around $3,000 with that event. He turned it into a, a much bigger event with a children's 
uh, game room and sponsors and brought it to a thirty thousand dollar mm, event. So nice. it, that's that a big was, difference. It was. Yeah. That yeah. was David Canfield as a as a volunteer did that, and it's, we stuck with it. So that's our you know our biggest fundraiser of the year, and we have the talent show that just finished, and our third one is the bluegrass barbecue, which um, Bill Wilcox of Wilcox and Barton cooks up barbecue on this enormous cooker. It looks like a steam engine that he had built specially for that purpose. And uh, he he does all the work and donates all of the barbecue for that event. And that's annually at White Park, correct? It is. And we're shifting for next year. We're in discussions about Uh shifting down to the Bank of New Hampshire stage Ah. uh, for all of our events um, because it's such a wonderful venue. It really is. And uh, so what we are cooking up now is, I think, what did we settle on? I'm not even going to be able to say it. Brews, blues, and barbecue. Wow. So it will have... Cooking uh, the, up. No yeah. pun intended, right? <laughs> <laughs> it will have the wonderful barbecue that uh, that Bill Wilcox creates, and it'll have um, blues, music, yes. um, and it'll be in the Bank of New Hampshire stage. So I think we're going to shift to just two fundraisers a year, yeah. that one and Superfest. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. And... Uh, and, and just a, a great organization, and uh, we hope uh, you get uh, a lot of support, as I know you do, uh, from the uh, from the area and uh, also from the fundraisers, which, you know, have become uh, more and more popular as the word gets out there. I know the, the Superfest has really turned into uh, a very, very special event, yes, without, without question. And these business sponsors, they, they are really what make them successful financially, all of our business sponsors and pillars of support. We couldn't. We couldn't do this without them. So, Ellen Grow is with us, the executive director of the Concord Coalition to End Homelessness. You can uh, look at their website, which is a good one, at uh, ConcordHomeless.org to uh, get a little bit more information about the organization as well. And uh, follow along with us here on Kale and Company Live for Tuesday. Great to have you along with us on WKXL and around the world, around the clock. At nhtalkradio.com. We will be right back. Kale and Company live for a Tuesday. Great to have you along with us at WKXL. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region. 1019 FM in Manchester and streaming around the world, around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And if you missed any of the program today, or you just want to hear it again, and why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, you can tune in a little after uh, 7 o'clock tonight and hear the whole yep. thing all over again. And uh, Ellen Groh is our guest, the executive director of Concord Coalition to End Homelessness. And uh, Ellen, I know you have recently uh, led the coalition's efforts to begin buying buildings uh, in Concord to house as some of uh, you know our most vulnerable uh, people, your most vulnerable uh, clients. Uh, how is that working out? Uh, it's working out very well, uh, especially given the housing market right now. It is a challenge right now, as I'm you sure can imagine. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But uh, so we started. Um, I'm not even going to remember the dates anymore. I think it was December 2020, uh, just before COVID hit. Right? Is that right? Um, that we 
we uh, finished our first housing project of our own building, and that mm-hmm. was on Green Street. We turned what was the Child Advocacy Center, owned by the county, we turned it into four one-bedroom apartments. And all of them, you know, it's regular apartments that you and I might live in. Um, everybody has their own kitchen, living room, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And everybody who lives there also gets project-based rental assistance, which means they just have to pay 30% of their income for rent, and the rest gets paid by the rental assistance, which is really important because I think everybody living in that apartment is uh, only receiving disability as their only income. That's about $800 a month, so you can't afford an apartment if that's all you're making in a month for sure but it still costs money to uh, concord housing and redevelopment is our property manager so they manage it and so it still costs money to run an apartment so the money has to come from somewhere and the the rental assistance is what makes that all work so so is the goal to have more of uh, those type apartments available there's that's one of the goals i will say and we're working on another project now we bought a house that we're um that had four units in it. We're planning to divide it up into eight one-bedroom apartments, again, so that people, our clientele is typically single individuals, men and women, and uh, so just nice to have your own apartment. I think uh, all of us know it can be a struggle to share a house with someone that's not your partner. It can be a struggle even if they are your partner, but that just kind of eliminates that that extra stress of living with somebody else and, uh, and, and lets people find their stability and work on whatever other issues they have going on um, from the security and safety and stability of their own home. So, and and they are only responsible for thirty percent. Thirty percent of their income uh, goes yeah, towards their the rent. Yeah. And other yeah. than that, it's a lease like anybody else would have. Mm. So, you know, if you violate the terms of the lease, you can be evicted. But um, but other than that, that's that's it's other than that, it's it's exactly the same as any other apartment. And we do provide a case manager to help that person make the transition to becoming housed after being homeless for yeah. a long time. Because I'm sure and there is there a is. transition. There yeah. is. Yeah. There's a transition. There's a different uh, set of norms when you're living in an encampment than there are when you're living in an apartment. So just learning what day is garbage day? Uh, how, yeah. how do I make sure I get my rent in on time? Um, and what other issues might be going on that they might need assistance with? So. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and it's all available right there. Yeah, at, at, yeah. And, with, and so we did buy another house uh, that we didn't have to transform at all um, that was a triplex. So that one, two of the units were vacant, so we were able to move two clients in right away. They had their own uh, tenant-based rental assistance, as you as you will. So it goes with them to whatever apartment they can find. Um but it's very, very hard to find an apartment. Every, oh, everybody knows yeah. that. Yeah. And a lot of landlords are hesitant to accept a Section 8 rental voucher from someone. They just uh, aren't used to it. They're, they don't know how to do it. They're worried about it. There's a stigma that can go with it. So. Sure. Uh, one of our initiatives is trying to um, encourage landlords to give it a try, to accept a person who has a Section 8 rental voucher. And we, we created a little landlord incentive program to try to ah. encourage people to give that a try. Very good. And, and you do have uh, beds. Uh, you mentioned you had 40 beds for homeless uh, during the winter. During the winter. And yep. that's a, that's the shelter, the yep. winter shelter. And, and in my mind, there is such a huge distinction between a shelter and permanent housing. Right. And some yep. people kind of lump them together. But, um, you know, in a shelter, it's, it's certainly uh, more 
uh, safe in the winter, especially than than living out in your tent. But uh, it's still not a very stable situation. If you're trying to go to work, if you're trying to deal with a mental health issue, substance use disorder, Mm -hmm. from that sort of uh, chaos might be too strong of a word, but that uh, the dynamic of a shelter is just not is not calm and and peaceful. It, right. it just isn't. So, yeah. uh, so uh, in my mind, the shelter is the band aid, and and we really mm-hmm. want to aim for the permanent housing. It does provide some warmth, though. It does. Yeah. Oh, it's critical. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. totally critical, yeah. but it's not the end goal. Right. Right. The end goal is to end homelessness. Right. As, exactly. Uh, as exactly. the title would uh, would imply. Uh, how many uh, individuals does the Concord Coalition serve each month? At our resource center, oh my goodness. So we serve um, anywhere from 20 to 70 people a day at the resource center. It can vary quite widely, um, but I think the average is around 40 or 50 a day, people coming in. Yes, coming in to do something, either see a case manager or take a shower or get their mail. That's another service that we offer. People have a place to receive their mail. Mm -hmm. Um, An address, right? An address, right, right. Something a lot of us take for granted. Right. Um, And over the course of a year, about 600 unique individuals come through the resource center. So some come once and we never see them again. Others are coming every couple of days for weeks. Or unfortunately, there's clients who I've known for years that are still looking for housing. Hmm. And again, you you provide so many resources there for the people who, who missed it earlier. I mean, it's a place you can go in and uh, take a shower, mm-hmm. uh, shave. Charge your phone. Charge your phone. Yeah. Uh, yep. So so many uh, resources. Do your laundry. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. So well, when is it open? It is right now. We're open from nine to twelve Monday through Friday for anyone to just walk in. And mm-hmm. the afternoons we've been reserving for appointments. We found that that was uh, making a little more structured time where you could come in and sit one on one with a case manager without all the distractions of somebody asking. Uh, you know, where's the soap for the laundry, all right, of that. Right, it it right. made for yeah. more focused conversations with people in the afternoon. And that's at uh, 238 North Main Street yes. in Concord. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just, uh, you know, it, it is incredible what the services you do offer uh, for those who are, are homeless. And uh, I'm sure a relief to so many of them. So, uh, you know, we, we applaud you for the work that you do. What what are some of the, the accomplishments that you're most proud of since uh, – since taking over as executive director? Um, well, I am. I'm proud that we did get that winter shelter built. Mm. When I first came on, two churches, South Congregational Church and First Congregational Church, had been running a winter shelter for, I think, about a decade at that point, um, almost all with volunteers. And just as I was being hired and as this planned and homelessness was being adopted by the city, both of the churches said, uh, we can't continue to be the hosts any longer. We'd love to still be involved, but it's some wear and tear on our buildings, and it, it was hard work. I'm sure it was exhausting work for them to run that every every winter. So there was a three-year period where we didn't really know what we were going to do. The mayor was very instrumental in getting a temporary uh, shelter set up at St. Peter's Church when that was still here, and the Friends Program ran it for two years, and then we took it over and ran it for a year. And during that time, 
we raised money and built a shelter building. So um, that was the community came together in an enormous way with fundraising and support on that, I think, because so many people had volunteered at the shelters and, and thought it was really important that we have a resource like that in this, in this community. Do you uh, look for volunteers for your program? We do. We yeah. do. Our resource center and our winter shelter still use volunteers, and we're starting to try to pair people up with folks who have been housed uh, just to maybe give rides to someone or just provide uh, kind of that extra support to a one, one particular person you would get matched with to help them make their appointments, that kind of thing. Very good. How would uh, people get more information about that? Uh, they can look on our website and they can uh, write to uh, office at conqueredhomeless.org. All right. Very good. And uh, find out a lot more information about the uh, Concord Coalition to End Homelessness. The executive director, Ellen Grow is with us today. And we'll have more conversation about this topic coming up momentarily right after we take a quick break here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, and 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming at nhtalkradio.com. We will be right back. Company Live for a Tuesday as we're heading down the home stretch. And glad to have Ellen Grow with us today, Executive Director of the Concord Coalition to End Homelessness. Uh, their website is conqueredhomeless.org. And I'll mention it one more time because people, you know, tune in, tune out here. Ellen is the reigning 2022 Citizen of the Year, as voted by the Concord Chamber of Commerce. Did, did that uh, catch you by surprise? Oh, utterly, utterly caught me by surprise. And I, I, um, I really do feel like it's going to our whole organization and I'm just the big visual uh, person that it's landing on. But um, there's been so many people who have made our impact possible and I'm getting all the credit for it, but it was so many other people involved. Well, November 2nd at the uh, Grapponi Conference Center in Concord. Uh, all are welcome to attend, and uh, Ellen uh, will be honored that night. And if you want uh, more information, call the chamber at 603-224-2508, 224-2508. We were talking about some of your accomplishments. Did you want to mention any others? Well, um, yeah, and it's not actually my accomplishment. Again, it's the organization. Um, I said before, permanent housing is really the way to end homelessness. Mm -hmm. So we have um, one of our staff people, Greg Lassard, has helped really articulate and kind of chart out all the different routes that we're trying to pursue at the same time to bring more housing solutions to Concord. Because uh, it, you know, it takes two or three years to build an apartment building yeah. uh, or renovate one. Um, the housing market's crazy, so it's hard to find properties to buy. So on our website, we have this uh, tab called Paths Towards Housing Solutions, and it lays out seven different varieties of ways that we're trying to find solutions, working with other agencies um, so that everybody who's experiencing long-term homelessness in Concord can find a safe and affordable place to live. So uh, tell us a little bit about those paths toward uh, 
housing. Yeah, well, one of them is to do this, a uh, couple of things we've already done, like we call it uh, purchase ready-to-rent homes. That's like our home that I said we bought a triplex and two units were empty. People were moved in in 45 days from the day we saw it to the day they moved in was only 45 days. Um, renovating properties into more units or into apartments from commercial property. That was like our first Green Street project, and that is another great way to bring more units uh, into Concord. We need more units. Um, We've been also trying to work with uh, the developers of big projects, um, like, like, you know, 30, 50, 100 units all going in at one time to say, could you reserve, could you set aside five units for our clients who have rental assistance? And, And we've had some success with that in some future properties that are coming. Um, another one of our paths, we call it just creative solutions, and that's where our case managers are so skillful in working with people to find out, is there something in your own network of support that could find help you find a way towards housing? Maybe there's a brother in Michigan who would let you come live with them if you could just get there. So let's find a way to get you a bus ticket there. Whatever the a creative solution for a person that is going to get you off of the streets that isn't necessarily buying a a building. Um, Another one is just building relationships with existing apartment landlords. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, you know, letting people understand that Section 8 can be a great asset to them and nice, secure income, and that we can provide case management to the people who are housed in their apartments. So trying to build those relationships and uh, another one we're working on, this is a little down the road because it's, uh, it's going to cost quite a bit of money, is to have a structured living situation where a house, so more of like a, a group home almost or a sober house, a, a situation where people have more structure and there's someone sitting at a front desk making sure that only the people who live there come in. Um, we'd like to see one or two houses like that in Concord for people who need more support to stay successfully housed. Mm. Uh, do you help uh, y- your clients with uh, perhaps you know, finding a job, uh, job placement? Uh, uh, we, we would help connect people with that if yeah. they are in a position for that. And right. like I said, most of the people that we serve are on disability for Mm. one reason or another. So they might be able to um, have some kind of employment, but a lot of them, they they really, the physical um, disabilities, mental disabilities, developmental, substance use disorder, all manner of um, combinations of disabilities make it challenging for anybody to be able to hold a job at this point in their life. Right. Uh, Do you find that uh, our homeless population, now you talk about the disability, but uh, coming from all walks of life, all family backgrounds, that sort of thing? Well, and again, our focus is on people who have been homeless for a long time. Yeah. I think uh, when you're talking about people who are short-term homeless, you know, just hit a crisis yeah. absolutely from all walks of life. I think all of the people that we serve, uh, unfortunately, I think almost all of them have suffered some kind of real trauma yeah. in their life, whether it was in their childhood or their youth or their adulthood Um it's a lot, a lot of trauma in the background yeah. of people's oh, lives. Yeah, sure there is. So uh, what, uh, in terms of, uh, of supplies 
for the resource center. Do you take donations oh, we do. from we people? Do. We yeah. do. We're um, we're halting our clothing donation just because it was we were running out of room and it was taking quite a bit of staff time to try to organize all that. Yeah. And there's other agencies to do it, but we are taking um, like little things like underwear and socks. Always want to make okay. sure somebody can get that out yeah. of out of the shower. Basics like toilet paper, coffee. Um, Paper towels, those things that don't go bad and that right, we use right. in great quantities. We always take that kind of thing. Um, and we always take donations of money. I mean, that is yeah. what, what pays our staff. Our staff is our biggest asset and our biggest expense. And we're trying to pay a living wage to the people who work there so that they don't uh, struggle to find yeah. housing that they can afford. Exactly. It's becoming tougher and tougher these days, uh, without question. Uh, what, uh, what kind of a staff, how large a staff do you have? We have, I think it's 12 people yeah. right now. Wow. Two are part-time, part-time office administrator and part-time uh, bookkeeper. But the rest, we have several case managers. We have uh, uh, our director of housing initiatives. I think I mentioned before, Greg Lassard, who's really pushing all of those different paths, trying to push on each one at the same time to keep us moving down the road. Um, and uh, a director of development, a dir- uh, chief operating officer. So we have a we have a great team. We have a great great team. Well, it, it sounds like you do, and I, I know you're having a celebration uh, coming up soon at the Hotel Concord. Yes, we are. Yeah. Our, our annual celebration. Yeah. Yes, we'd encourage people to come. Absolutely, it's uh, the ninth, I believe, right? November 9th? That sounds right to I, me. I think that sounds yes. right. Yes, and uh, and. We have, you can go to our website to find out more about that or sign up for our newsletters on our website, and that would give you information about it. We want people to RSVP just so we know you're coming, but it's a free event, and you'll uh, get to meet our new director. I am retiring at the end of the year. You are. I ah. am. Yes, I am. And uh, Karen Jansen is going to be joining us, going to be take, pat, taking the torch, and she's a phenomenal woman, and I think she's going to take the agency to the whole next level. So. Well, you have done a remarkable job, obviously, as executive director for the past uh, eight or so years uh, of the uh, Concord Coalition to End Homelessness. And uh, when are you uh, re- retiring? Uh, December 2nd will wow. be my last day. And, um, and Karen is going to be starting in November. So we will have a month of overlap where I can you know, yeah. show her around. And we right. think it's going to be a very, very smooth transition. Again, because we have such a great team in place. Everybody knows what they're doing yeah. and uh, and can just, just not miss a beat, I think. And I'm looking forward to seeing where I think Karen can really take us over the top to actually end homelessness in Concord. Wow. So what are you going to do in retirement? Oh, I'm going <laughs> to travel a little bit yeah. to start. And then um, I do. I moved to Concord a year ago, so I'm so thrilled to be living here now. Yeah. I had been commuting from Hollis before. Um, so I'm I'm sure that I'll be getting involved with other um, other causes, if you will. Yeah. Um, I'd like to be an English as a second language teacher is oh, one thing that I've thought about nice. for some time, yeah. and I'd like to do that. Very so. good. Very good. Well, I know you'll be missed. 
and but I'm sure Karen will do an outstanding job and uh, and uh, perhaps uh, you know taking it to the next level as you said uh, uh, and we, we shall see what happens yeah. and uh, and again the celebration is coming up on the 9th yes. of November and mm-hmm. everybody's welcome everybody's welcome we just want you to RSVP <laughs> and it's at the beautiful Concord uh, Hotel yes. Concord in downtown Concord yes and it's not the Hotel California you no. will you will be able to leave uh, at the end of the evening you will. Yeah. and they've been great to us they uh, they always let us have our events there uh, at no cost so they've been a huge supporter of us in many many ways so uh, Hotel Concord's been great as have so many businesses in um, in the Concord area it's just Support it is, has been wonderful. It is gratifying to, to know how many step forward to help these causes. It uh, is. I mean, whether it be homelessness or or other causes uh, around the city and around the state, that businesses are, are very uh, right. very good about stepping up and and uh, making their contributions. I think so. I think Concord yeah. is a really strong community and really has a sense of itself as a community that people want to make sure that everybody's succeeding in. And again, if uh, someone would like to uh, volunteer with your organization, what what would the uh, process be? The, uh, they can call up uh, or email. I think email is probably the best, um, which is office at conqueredhomeless.org. That'll get you to the you know the main reception area, yep. and your email will get farmed out to the right person. All right, outstanding. And uh, Ellen Grow, it's been a pleasure to meet you, the executive director of the Concord Coalition to End Homelessness for the past, uh, what, eight years now, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you've done an amazing job. Citizen of the Year uh, in Concord 2022 is uh, voted by the Concord Chamber of Commerce, richly deserved, and that'll be celebrated on the 2nd of uh, right. November at the Grapponi Conference Center. Uh, get in touch with the Chamber if you would like to attend that event. Ellen, a pleasure meeting you. Well, so much. It's great to be here. Thank you so very, very much for having me. Thanks for all you do. And thank you for listening to Kale & Company on this Tuesday. Join us on Wednesday for more.